Hello and welcome to Moniker, the histories and mysteries of names. We're back after our long summer hiatus to give you the show that's as juicy as it is fragrant. Oranges. Golden oranges of Spain. The daughters of the sun. One of my favorite nonfiction books of all time is The Secret Lives of Color by Cassia Sinclair. I may have talked about this on the podcast before. Anyway, if you haven't heard of it, it's essentially a collection of mini deep dives into the histories of dozens of colors. There's information like where and when the color first appeared, how it was obtained or created, and of course, how it got its name. If you have any interest in art history, the history of textiles or dyes, or if you're just really into etymology or cultural history, this is a must read. One of the entries from this book that really stuck with me was the entry about the color Dutch orange. And if you have trouble picturing that, it's basically, you know, your basic not too red, not too yellow, very vibrant orange. The color became associated with the Dutch Prince William of Orange and, according to Sinclair, served as a patriotic emblem for the Dutch. The Protestant Dutch were ruled by the Spanish at the time. The Dutch rebels proudly displayed or produced orange products in reference to William's House of Orange and the color of his banner. One of these orange items was carrots. Farmers began to selectively breed the ordinarily yellow or purple vegetables to have that vibrant, rich orange that we know today. Although, of course, now artisanal brands have that purple or yellow, but, you know, so that's pretty cool, right? But it leaves a lot of questions unanswered, especially since it appears that William's House of Orange was already associated with the color. But is that just a coincidence? Where did the name orange come from? Long story short, I went down a long rabbit hole of oranges that brought me to that age-old question. Which came first? The fruit or the color? Or even the proper name? Join me as we peel away the rind of orange's crazy history. Our story begins in sunny and humid Southeast Asia thousands of years ago. Scientists and archaeobotanists believe that the common ancestors of all citrus fruits grew in a strip of land in what is now southern China, eastern India, and northern Bhutan and Myanmar. It's been poetically called monsoonia by old-timey botanists. The first known true species of citrus, meaning not a hybrid, was the citron which was used for its medicinal and aromatic qualities in ancient India. Think of how we use citron burners today to keep mosquitoes away. The ancients had that all figured out already. Citron is one of the three true species of citrus fruits, the others being palmellos and mandarins. All other citrus fruits are hybrids of two or more of these fruits in various generations. Historians believe that citrons were introduced to the Mediterranean around the 4th to 5th centuries BC. 
possibly by way of Egyptian physicians who used it for treatments of ailments like previous podcast subject, scurvy. Being the first to arrive in the Western world, the Latin genus citrus was named after the citron. In his Encyclopedia of Natural History, Pliny the Elder refers to the fruit as Malus Medica, Malus Assyria, and Citrus. Now, the Malus Medica, it, it's kind of like bad medicine, and Malus Assyria is like bad Syria. And the bad here seems to be referring to the fact that it's not tasty. It's kind of sour and bitter, but that it can still be used for medicinal purposes or that it came from the east, from Assyria. Mandarin type 1, a precursor to the orange, appeared in fossil records about 8 million years ago in China's Yunnan province. Farmers in ancient Indochina and southern China crossbred Mandarin type 1 with the pomelo. The result was the sour or bitter orange, a small, hard, unpalatable fruit. Like the citron, the sour or bitter orange was mainly used for its medicinal and aromatic properties often distilled by herbalists into a fragrant syrup. The expansion of the Middle Eastern empires during the Golden Age of Islam brought the sour orange from the Himalayan foothills to the shores of the eastern Mediterranean. The first written mention of the bitter orange that we know of comes from the Muslim historian al-Masudi in his work Golden Lawns. According to Masudi, the sour orange was brought from India to Oman in the year 912 AD. He noted that the fruit lost its color and potency the further it was removed from its ideal growing conditions. Sour oranges became a fixture of the ornamental gardens of royalty and nobility, much the way lemons were luxury items for the Romans at the time. Portuguese traders of the 15th century would find sour orange trees planted on the coasts of East Africa and Southern Arabia tracing the Islamic merchants' patterns of trade. Oranges appear in Roman artwork beginning around the 1st century AD, mostly in the homes of the very wealthy. Oranges could be seen in a mosaic recovered from the ruins of Pompeii. The depictions are clearly meant to convey exoticism and opulence. Most scholars believe that these were the sour oranges obtained through land and sea trade with the East, valued more for their fragrance and appearance than taste. We're at that point in history where sour oranges have saturated the ancient Mediterranean world, but when did oranges get sweet? Now we will move on to one of the next generations, which would become the sweet orange, which accounts for 70% of global orange trade today. The first written distinction between the sweet orange and the sour orange was found in a manuscript by Bartolomeo Platina, from 1475, written for Pope Sixtus IV. Platina was a scholar in the Vatican Library who also wrote a best-selling cookbook. His writings are basically just making a distinction between the sweet and the bitter orange in regards to taste and various uses. The age of exploration aided in the spread of sweet oranges both physically and linguistically. Arab traders had planted trees in trade ports, possibly for diplomacy or as a way of having what was essentially medical supplies available throughout the length of the trade loop. Orange trees were brought from the east to be planted in the groves of Italy, Spain, Portugal, and all around the Mediterranean. 
Genoese soldiers are credited with helping the sweet orange spread westward by the commercial trade they established with the Muslim world. Genoa had become a major economic power after the fall of Constantinople. Their strategic position and cooperation with the Muslims helped their trade routes extend as far as the eastern shore of the Black Sea, and then they could link up with the Silk Road and other trade routes. No less than the famed Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama found sweet oranges planted in the Kenyan port of Mombasa in the late 1400s. He was struck by how much tastier they were than that sour variety that had already made its way to the shores of Portugal. There are also accounts of da Gama bringing a sweet variety of oranges from his expedition to India. It's possible both stories are true and da Gama was just introducing two different generations of sweet oranges to Europe. Historians tend to agree that several waves of introduction are likely to have occurred with oranges in Europe both of the sweet and bitter variety. Christopher Columbus brought sweet orange seeds as part of a kind of overseas survival kit to stave off scurvy. He planted them on Hispaniola, modern-day Haiti and Dominican Republic, during his expedition of 1493, when Columbus sailed the ocean for me. By 1646, sweet oranges were well-known and commonly enjoyed throughout the Mediterranean as well as parts of the New World. As the orange wended its way around the ancient world, its name went through a simultaneous evolution. Linguists believe that orange's name originates from the Tamil root word nurga, meaning fragrant. Tamil, by the way, is thought to be the world's oldest surviving language. Mm. Next came the Sanskrit word naranga, which means fragrant, segmented, or fragrant tree, depending on what source you read. From that came the Persian narang and the Arabic naranj. Arabian and Persian trade with the Western world via the Mediterranean introduced these words to Latin and Greek, and thus the nascent Romance languages. You can see how, for instance, Naranj would become the Spanish Naranja because of the Moorish influence. Interestingly, the sweet orange and the sour orange have different Latin names, Citrus Arantium and Citrus Senesis, respectively. However, as the sweet orange overtook the sour orange in popularity, the ancestral words that were initially associated with the sour orange were superimposed onto the sweet orange. The word orange itself first appeared in English in the 12th century. Note that this was in reference to the fruit, not the color. The direct antecedent to our modern English orange is thought to come from the old French word orange, spelled with an E rather than an A. Orange may come to French from those Persian and Arabic words we mentioned, naranga and naranj, or it's possible it may have been adapted from the Italian word for orange tree, arancino, which you have to say with an Italian accent, arancino. The word orange in reference to the color wouldn't appear in the English language until the 1500s, coinciding with the increase in trade of the fruits. Old English speakers used the word gilreed, which literally means yellow-red. If you think about 
the chromatic landscape of the British Isles, you can see how this combo word would be sufficient for their purposes. Not a lot of fiery hues among the greens and browns of merry old England. It makes me think of the first chapter of The Fellowship of the Ring and how Tolkien says the word pale and gray like 50 million times. The Norman conquest brought Latin-derived words to England by way of Old French. Now the English had words like golden and saffron to describe orange items. It was around this time that some oranges, mostly bitter or sour, began to trickle into Britain's physical and cultural borders. The French at this time sometimes called these fruits palme du orange, or apples of orange, which makes sense given that orange comes from the Italian word for the orange tree. Can you imagine being a late medieval Englishman, seeing these violently vibrant fruits from the mysterious East? They must have seemed the most richly exotic objects imaginable. Again, this would be more colorful than anything they would see in daily life. Even the most colorful objects like flowers wouldn't have this color, unless, of course, they were cultivated especially by the very wealthy. As previously stated, the French orange was adopted by the English in the 12th century in reference to the fruit, but the English were cautious about using it for the color for the next few hundred years. Textual evidence from the late medieval to early Renaissance periods help us to see how orange evolved with the culture. In Chaucer's Nun's Priest's Tale from 1390, he writes about this color in reference to a fox. Quote, color was betwixt yellow and reed, end quote. Here we see Chaucer still using that Old English combo of red and yellow. A couple hundred years later, in Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream of 1595, he writes, quote, orange tawny to describe the color of someone's beard. The orange, meaning the fruit, is also used in this work. Shakespeare uses orange not as a color in its own right, but as a modifier for an existing color. The fruit is familiar enough to the audience to understand that the brown is colored like an orange, but it still wouldn't register as a color in its own right. It's like how we say eggshell white. We're deliberately trying to conjure the image of the object to describe the shade of the color. People, especially in design spaces, might offhandedly say eggshell to signify that shade of white, but it's definitely not a standalone color fully divorced from a common object. It's meant to conjure an image. Oranges became a ubiquitous fixture of market stalls and households throughout the late Renaissance. It became so common that French and English speakers were able to drop any modifiers and just use the word orange to denote the color. Sir Isaac Newton even included orange as one of his seven colors in his report on the spectrum of light in 1672. Although, I mean, honestly, Sir Isaac Newton, I don't know what you're trying to do with indigo, but it's not going to happen. We talked earlier about William of Orange and how carrots were bred to be orange in his honor. Well, it turns out the House of Orange has nothing to do with the fruit or the color. Orange, in this context, is a town in France near the Rhone River. We should note that it wouldn't be annexed by France until 1713. Orange's name comes from the Gaulish water god Horatio, the possessive of his name being something like Arahe. 
So the name is basically Orazio's Settlement. William I was born in Nassau, which is in modern-day Germany, not the one in the Bahamas, inherited the title of Prince of Orange upon the death of his cousin, René of Chalon. Thus, he became William of Orange Nassau, or more commonly, William of Orange. So William adopted the name of the noble house, and the noble house got its name from the town where they were presumably founded. And the town got its name from a pagan god. Nothing to do with the fruit. Interestingly, Castan and Farthing's 2018 book, On Color, seems to contradict the claim from The Secret Lives of Color that the House of Orange started using the color in solidarity with William during that 1566 Dutch revolt against the Spanish. It's true that William I of Orange Nassau had orange and blue on his standard, but the orange he used was originally more of a golden hue. We don't even know if William would have used the word orange to describe that color. The place orange and the color orange evolved independently until they became homonyms, or homonymous. Is that a word? I don't know. The association of the color orange with the House of Orange wouldn't come until more than a hundred years later, during the Glorious Revolution of 1688. This was the overthrow of the Catholic James II of England by his daughter Mary and her Dutch husband William III of Orange. Think about the College of William and Mary. Well, that's after these guys. Protestant supporters of William and Mary called themselves the Orange Men and founded the Order of the Orange. Orange men would wear orange, wave flags with orange, and basically solidify the connection between the house and the color. I'm sure it didn't hurt that orange, the color, was common vernacular in English by this point. About a hundred years following these events, during the Dutch Patriot Revolution of the late 1780s, pro-democratic factions of the Netherlands revolted against William V of Orange's monarchy and pushed for major governmental reforms. William Loyalists, styled once again as Orangemen, did things like breed carrots to be orange in solidarity with William V. Fun note about orange in the Netherlands, orange or oranje in Dutch refers to either the color or the house of orange, but the Dutch word for the fruit is sinapel, which means Chinese apple. Isn't that crazy? So I guess the sinapel came from one of the earlier encounters with the fruit when they were called things like golden apples or palm de or or palm de sin. Who knows how or why some words evolve? We can follow the clues and make generalizations, but history is full of complexities and little diverging rivers. A stark certain through line of one cultural thing to another is so rare it's basically non-existent. <laughs> but let's talk about what we did learn today. As far as we know, the orange fruit predated the orange color. The House of Orange is unrelated to both the fruit and the color. And we can thank the Dutch for orange carrots, but not until the 1700s. If you want to learn more about the cultivation of oranges, the histories of colors, medieval trade in the Mediterranean, etc., etc., I'll link all the cool websites and articles I found in the show notes. I would highly recommend the books On Color by Costan and Farthing, The Secret Lives of Color by Sinclair, 
Golden Fruit, A Cultural History of Oranges in Italy by Mazzoni, and Oranges, A Global History by Hyman. Thank you so much for joining us today on Moniker, the histories and mysteries of names. If you have a name you'd like featured on the podcast, please email me at monikerpod at gmail.com. Until next time, farewell!